Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poole. My guest today is political consultant Julian Connors, and he's here to talk about the mayor's race in Albany and give his views. So, Julian, we haven't talked in a while. How are you? I'm doing very well, and it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. You know, I was, you know, in that conversation off the radio, I was really surprised when you said that you and Randy Kanifka were listening to my podcast on New Year's Eve. I found that quite amusing. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, former Councilman Kanifka, he was just recently on your show. He obviously right. follows you, and he's been on many times. Um, but, yeah, the two of us are our personal friends. And uh, we love what you do, and we try to spread the message as much as we can. Thank you. So uh, I'm Thank sure you. that you've been, you've been following what's going on in, in Albany. Uh, what do you think? Oh, in terms of the, uh, the mayoral's race, the yeah. mayoral campaign? Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think the summary is Albany deserves better. You know, you take a look at the candidates who attempted to run a primary campaign, um, whether it was Lukey Forbes or Marlon Anderson. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think good intentions, you always want to inspire local citizens to, you know, put themselves out there and support their community as best as they can. But look, you know, running a campaign is hard and it's simply not for everyone. And if it was about the level of passion that you had, we would have much better people in office, but it goes beyond passion. And even more so when I take a look at, you know, the fact that, yes, you know, COVID was in place, making it a little bit more difficult to obtain signatures to get on the ballot. But speaking as a former mayoral candidate, you know, when I ran, I was 21. And at that time, I needed about 600 um, signatures to be on the Democratic ballot. I needed about 400 for the independent. And I exceeded both, not because, you know, I had this huge team working on my behalf, but because I was out there knocking on doors every single day. And the fact that you can't obtain 300 signatures in a city as large as Albany um, really shows that I think the intentions of some of these candidates is to obtain their 15 minutes or if not 15 seconds of fame rather than doing something important and something that's meaningful and of substance. I take a look at, you know, the um, Valerie, Valerie Faust. Again, really nice person. Um, But I don't know that the level of effort, you know, at least in terms of, what it really takes to beat an incumbent in a city as, as you know, large and as strong as Albany. I just didn't see that effort there. Um, and the message, you know, in terms of trying to be more left than Mayor Sheehan, I don't really understand how that would resonate with, with you know, the, the people of Albany right now. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sad, and I, I think the, the summary is, again, Albany deserves better. You know, some... Um, from- from what I've observed, and you know, I, I watch this stuff every day. I don't see any of the opposition that Kathy had or has. Um, I gotta take that back. I think Alicia's pretty good, but but honestly speaking, it's just sound bites. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And and again, going back to Albany deserving better. Now, I haven't followed Alicia's campaign too, too closely, so I don't want to make too many comments on her. But, but look at, you know, the last two or three gubernatorial races in New York State. You know, you've had 
one guy, Cuomo, who clearly was never going to lose because the people running against him. I mean, do you remember the guy who was uh, the rent's too damn high? And then, you know, in the last election, he's running against a, a an actress that you really don't see too often anymore in anything um, okay. from Sex in the City. And in the mayoral race, you know, Greg seems like a nice guy, but he's a comedian. That's what he is. Uh, of course, Lukey Forbes, you know, had his own rough background, and Marlon was never, you know, never a serious candidate. So you, you have these people who come out of the woodworks who aren't really deserving of the position. They're not qualified of the position, but they're trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. And you look at the state of Albany, and it's really no question as to why. You know, who, if you're a Mona Golub, what is the incentive for running for office in, in Albany, New York? You know, you, if you have that position where you're doing well financially, you're connected socially, why would you ever want to step into the limelight and try to do something different? You know, the city is riddled with crime. It's riddled with drugs. It's riddled today with homelessness. And, and unfortunately, it does take someone like Amona Golub to, to turn things around, but those people are not interested. Um, and, and understandably so, and it's sad. But there's got to be someone out there who is altruistic and who wants to make a difference. Do you see anybody on the horizon to do that? I mean, do you, know, you I don't want to that... be repetitive, but I do. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. You. Do you think that Kathy Sheehan is altruistic and as she's uh, running for mayor again to benefit the city as a whole? What do you think? Look, I think people initially get into politics. I think a lot of people at least get initially into politics because they want to do something good and then they get in it and they realize that, you know, it, it can be anything you want. If you want to put 100% of your effort in, you can. If you don't, you're still going to keep the job and still going to keep getting paychecks. So I think at this point, you know, what is she improving? Because if you look at the successes that she taught it in her last election, you know, the rezone project, the ability to obtain $12 million in state grants and the development of Madison Ave. Okay, the development hasn't brought in any new businesses, anything that was different than what was there before. You know, the $12 million sounds substantial, but that's barely enough to repave streets like Dever Morris. And again, what are the big ideas? You know, where's the investment in local education and student population? You know, where's the investment in supporting those who need it the most, the city's most vulnerable, the homeless? You know, the homeless and those who deal with mental health conditions. Where's the investment in those people? Where's the investment in getting rid of crime? Crime that is so blatant these days, it, it takes place right in broad daylight, and it's no longer on Arbor Hill. It's right in your face. It's in the park. It's on Madison Ave. It's everywhere. So, you know, Mayor Sheehan, is she a good person? I don't know. I don't know her. But I can tell you that her record of success, at least what she taught, um, it is, not, is not substantial. And if you take a look at Albany, where it was in the 90s, where it was under Mayor Jennings, and where it is today, it has fallen off a cliff. You know, there's, there's a few statistics that the mayor and the common council can, can completely control, or at least influence. And if you look over the last 10 years, you know, median property values, median household income, and the pure number of employees has gone down. Property taxes, however, have increased. The homeless population in just the last year alone increased by 47%. And the poverty rate in Albany exceeds both the state and national averages by almost 50%, Cynthia. So even with COVID, you know, the poverty rate for the U.S. is 13%, while Albany's 24. 
So <laughs> is Albany better today than it was before her? No, it's not. And, she, and unfortunately, she does not do media interviews. Uh, she's not on the radio. So, and, and you know, the press is not um, forceful in, you know, saying, yeah. you know, what about this or what about that? So she, unfortunately, it's not only her, but it's the council members. They they know that they they don't have to be accountable. So, you know, it, it's almost like a free ride for them. What do you think? I agree. And it goes back to what I was saying before, you know, being a, an elected official is, is kind of a, it's, it, it presents you with a choice. You know, if you want to put the energy and effort in it, you can. If you don't, you don't have to and you'll still get paid, unlike everybody else who has a, a normal, you know, private citizen's job. And going back to your question earlier, of like, what would it take the type of personality to turn things around? I think we're at a unique moment of history, you know, where you have or the citizens kind of look at candidates in, in two ways today. You're either a Donald Trump or you're a Biden. You know, on a local level, you're either, and we'll present it to the, the city of Cohoes, you're either a Keeler or you're Sean Morris. You're a guy who is loud and charismatic and bullish, but you get stuff done. Or you're quiet, you're aloof, and you're unavailable, but things, you know, nothing shifts. Nothing crazy takes place, good or bad. Nothing moves. So the citizens are kind of left with, well, do we want to deal with somebody who's going to constantly be in the news, or at least the perception of do we want to deal with that? Do we want to deal with somebody who's going to be loud and causing all these problems, you know, potentially creating a, a black cloud over our community? Or do we want just simple things to, to take place? Do we want our budgets to be balanced and, and a, you know, a few roads to be paved? And it's really unfortunate that the citizens of Albany County have been beaten down so bad over the last few decades that that's what they're left with. But I do think, again, if you bring in someone who is from the area, knows the area, has grown their business in the area, you know, someone like even Richard Sleesman of CBRE, which is a commercial real estate corporation, you know, solid business owners who are in the area, they're from the area, they have the connections with other entrepreneurs who can bring in businesses that go beyond basic jobs that just provide minimum wages, Albany could be huge. You know, take a look at Route 9. You go from Malta or even Saratoga, all the way down to Clifton Park. That whole mm -hmm. area was completely desolate, you know, only 10 years ago. There was a few things there, a couple gas stations, maybe the Malta Diner, and that was it. You go today, that entire route is completely developed with commercial and residential properties. You look at the entire area surrounding Albany, from Averill Park to Gilderland. I mean, the, 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 the area in upstate New York is thriving, except Albany, New York. So why is that? You know, why are developers and our business owners going to these other places instead of going to the heart of our state? It's because, again, nobody wants to do the work that is necessary to turn Albany around. You have to be tough on violence. You have to be tough on drugs. And unfortunately, we're living in a climate where people really want to be sensitive to these things rather than doing the, the work that's required to clean Albany up. And until you clean it up, until you make families feel safe to go there and bring their children, until you provide substantial programs and incentivize people to go there, nothing's going to change. Albany's going to continue to decline. We're going to be the, the Cleveland, you know, of New York. And it's really, really sad because it's a great community. And I know that you know that, too. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, glad that you mentioned 
Saratoga County because I have lived in, in Mechanicsville for a few years. Um, and I find that very interesting because all of the surrounding towns around Mechanicsville are thriving except for Mechanicsville, which is slowly dying by the day. So, um, you know, I think the technology has a lot to do with it. And, you know, in Albany, we have nanotech. Um, has yep. has Al- Albany really benefited from that? Well, I mean, you look at, again, Malta, you know, and the, the blue chip factory that's brought in, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs and kind of completely reshaped, you know, the foundation of that area from Clifton Park and Half Moon, you know, that, that whole area around Lake. What, what, what was the stop she in and, and those before her from fighting on behalf of Albany and bringing that to Albany, New York? You know, the, the same thing when, when you know, if you remember back when we, we were all, you know, kind of betting on where Amazon was going to bring their next headquarters, it was kind of a joke that there was even a news segment that they would potentially come to Rensselaer or Albany because, you know, nothing good happens in this area. And if you're a corporation like Amazon, why would you come here? You know, the, the public transportation system is not developed. You don't have a system in place where you can bring people from Albany to a Lansingburg in an easy way. The, the, the infrastructure is just not there to support anything. And, and what's even more sad is, is not just the fact that I'm calling this out, but the fact that nobody's doing anything about it. You know, we all know these problems exist, but nobody's working on behalf of the people or the city to change it. We've all just become, not we all, those in power have become apathetic. Apathetic, and it's really sad. I mean, I think, you know, if you look back at Jennings, one of the reasons why he was so successful is because he actively worked with the state. You know, he actually actively worked with the governor, Pataki, at that time, and was able to get a lot of funding. That, late, that type of partnership just doesn't exist today between Sheehan and Cuomo. And it's really sad. And you have to beg, you know, the, it begs the question as to why. What is so hard with picking up the phone and giving a call and creating a partnership that brings in more jobs, brings in economic development, reshapes the face of Albany, and really turns it into something that could be a nice alternative to New York City? You know, even with COVID, the, the expense of living in New York City is completely high completely higher than anyone would ever choose to to enjoy. So Albany could be positioned as a nice alternative to New York City for those who don't want to spend that much money or don't want to be congested. They could come up here, they can enjoy Albany, they can work there, and then they can, you know, drive 20 minutes north and, and enjoy Saratoga Lake or all the other, you know, features that surround Albany, New York. It's just too bad. We deserve better than citizens deserve better. You know, uh, the... the New York Press, meaning um, like the New York Post and so forth, they they make a big deal out of the rivalry between de Blasio and Cuomo, and it's a known yeah. fact. And now that Cuomo lives in, in, in the city of Albany, I was told he voted um, in the primary here in Albany, but he says nothing about... Kathy Sheehan. I find that very amusing. Well, there's nothing to talk about. You know, if there's no communication and then there's nothing to point to that would, you know, show Cuomo as being attached to a, a system of success, what, what's he going to do with us? You know, there's no incentive for him to, to talk about her because there's nothing to talk about. That's the problem, you know. With the, we've elected multiple people who... Don't give us anything to talk about, good or bad. They're just blasé. 
Mayor de Blasio, you should call him. And, uh, and they just sit back and collect a paycheck and then, you know, once in a while make a, a state of the state speech. You know, honestly, you know, I'm not saying, you know, this, you know, Councilman Kanifka is, is the person to, to take things over. But, you know, if you listen to him on your program, he's a no-nonsense guy, but still professional and polite. You know, he, he's from the community. He's a fourth-generation citizen. He, he knows the things that are wrong with the community. He's not afraid to call them out, and he's not afraid to put in the work. So I'm not putting him on the spot and saying, you know, Mr. Kanifka should, should run for, for Albany mayor, but you need somebody like him, somebody who's from the area, loves the area, is not afraid to, you know, sometimes be chastised for saying what's right, and is willing to put in the work. And that's not Keeler in Cohoes for sure, and that's not Sheehan in Albany for sure. You know, um, I, I just mentioned the relationship between Sheehan and Cuomo, but I do remember when Sean was uh, experiencing all his problems, Cuomo was one of the first persons to say, hey, uh, Morris, you got to go. Remember that? Yep. Oh, I remember. And, of course, uh, Mr. Cuomo did not resign himself when uh, such accusations came back at him. Right, right. So, you know, a lot of times I've got to blame the people the residents, because they complain. They complain about the potholes. They complain about all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to stepping up to the plate, they back away. And, you know, as much as you could blame the politicians, I think the citizens, the voters, are equally to blame. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the whole point of, of a democratic republic. There's a give and take, and you and I have talked about this in, in past, you know, discussions where there is a level of responsibility from the citizenry to become educated to what's going on, you know, follow their community, follow their elected officials, and, and hold them accountable. And the reason that Sheehan is able to get reelected again, despite her dwindling, you know, votes in, in the latest primary, is because she has her base, right? She has her core network of people who she probably knows from a, a first or second degree you know, perspective, and they will definitely go out and vote for her, knowing that the average citizen won't because of COVID or they're uninspired or they're uninformed and they don't even know what day the election is. So I think that you know, there, there are things that some politicians do to make it more difficult for the citizen to be aware of what's going on and be informed and act. Um, but at the same time, it is the citizen's responsibility to, you know, do something different with themselves and instead of complaining all the time, become educated and, and, and proactive. Uh, so there is a give and take. I agree with you there. I wouldn't say that it's, you know, if I were to say it's 50-50, it's I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, if you're splitting it down, I would say 60% is, is the responsibility of those elected. It was their choice to run for office. They are supposed to have a level of integrity when it comes to the positions that they, they take on, regardless of how educated the, the, the average citizen is. So you're a young guy, and you tell me you were born and raised in, in Albany. Um, from the time you were very young until now, do you see a lot of difference in the city? You know, it's interesting, and I, again, I don't like anecdotes, but I will give you a personal response. When I was growing up, you know, unfortunately, I, I lived with a single mom who suffered from addiction and several mental health conditions. So I was very close to, you know, 
poverty level. I was very close and living in, you know, a few of the actual projects in Albany. I uh, lived in Arbor Hill, and I was very close to the drug activity and the crime that was taking place on a regular basis. It was literally in my home. And then I think when I was moved into foster care, and then I, you know, graduated high school and went to college and all that stuff, became an adult, I thought Albany was definitely improving. You could see a difference on Mark Street, um, as well as the downtown area. Having worked at the Times Union in sales, you know, I was connected to all the different businesses in that area, and, and things were really improving um, from both an aesthetic and from an economic perspective. And then over the last 10 years, you know, again, from those key performance indicators I mentioned before to what you can just see everywhere in the streets today, things have definitely regressed. And I would say that they're even worse than when I was growing up in the, the 90s. And how sad is that? That is, you know, 30 years later, we've not only regressed to a point that we were at back then, but it's even worse. You know, the dirt bike gang that is only only out there to flex itself and intimidate people while they drive around knowing that the police won't doing anything. You know, the, the, the gunshots to children, the children who are getting killed, getting killed on the streets. That happens today more than ever than it ever did when I was growing up. You know, at least back then, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but at least back then, crime was in certain sections. So the rest of people, you know, the rest of the citizens of Albany could go about their life. Today, that crime has overflowed into all the mainstream areas because Sheehan does not want to do what is necessary with the police to shut that stuff down. You look at Giuliani, for, all, for as crazy as he comes off today and all the things that you could say about him today, what turned New York City around? It was tough enforcement. Maybe it went a little too far, but it was tough enforcement. And that's what you need in Albany at this point before anybody's going to consider coming back with their kids and their families. You know, the, the city of Albany for 100 years has pressed the lever for the, for the Democratic ticket. Do you think people today are more willing to look at candidates uh, running in other parties. Do you think, that, in other words, do you think the Democratic Party has a stronghold in the city as much as they used to? I think they do only because of, again, <laughs> when you're running against candidates like Lukey Forbes or a comedian, uh, it's very easy for the machine to maintain itself. If, if Mona Golub, and I, I don't know which political affiliation she sides with, and I don't want to make any assumptions, but let's say that she's naturally Democrat, but she decides to run as a Republican. There is no way that just because she was on the Republican ballot that people wouldn't vote for her. And she'd likely win, regardless of what party she sided with. Because she has a huge name, and she's very successful, and she's very philanthropic. And she, you know, she, can, she has the connections to bring people in. She, she's a vision of hope that comes with substance. And whether you like Trump or not, that's what a lot of people saw with him. He was a man of substance. He was economically independent. All these different things that people look for in a candidate. If Mona, if she ran today, she would win regardless of what political affiliation she signed up with. So I do think all you need is the right candidate and things can turn around. But, you know, when, when you're the Democratic machine in Albany, you can do things like make backdoor deals with strong candidates so that they don't run and you're left with a pool of, again, I'm not trying to beat up on them, but, you know, Lukey Forbes and Marlon Anderson, just these clowns, clown candidates. Wow. Um, I heard names of people who were, who were potential candidates 
for this year that didn't make make a try at it. You know, uh, yeah. people who own restaurants and, and it's like, you know, people have made made an investment in Albany, and they're seeing that investment go down down the tubes. So there's got to be yep. some people here that are willing to step up to the plate and do something. Well, I think Mr. Kaniska, you know, pointed out something that's very true, which is the people who are um, those that you're kind of referencing loosely, you know, in, in today's climate, they're probably great people. They're probably great people, successful, really care. But there may be one thing in their background that happened even 20, 30 years ago that they're afraid of coming out because of the culture today. So if you really are successful and you're a good person, you got a family, you're well, well liked in the community, what, what, why would you put all of that on the line because of maybe one word that you said 30 years ago that was fine then, but is completely not fine today. And now your whole reputation's mm-hmm. gone. Now people won't go to your business anymore. Now people chastise your kids, right? So there's like a, a threshold. You either need to be someone so on top, like a Mona Golub, where even if you found something, she couldn't be hurt. Or, or that's basically it, you know? That's what we're left with in 2021 when it comes to candidates because anything below those who are, you know, protected no matter what don't want to risk that and risk losing everything they've worked for. Again, I think also one of the reasons why so many people who aren't deserving um, of the position run for office because what do they have to lose? You know, they've already hit a particular wall in their career or in their life and they're just trying to turn things around for themselves. Again, though, you know, selfishly turning around for themselves rather than serving the community in the right way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. You know, there's got to be a breaking point where where people run for office for their own self-benefit. Would you agree? Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. I mean, if you, you know, if, if Sean Morris really is teeing up another campaign, there's really no other reason for him to do that other than the fact that he, he personally can't get a job because he's a convicted felon, right? So what are the opportunities are there to collect an income? It's running for office again, very much like, you know, Buddy Cienci of the 80s and 90s, the former mayor of Providence. You know, he was a convicted criminal on multiple occasions, but he continued to run and continued to get elected because it was really the only job he could get. So, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who want to make a name for themselves or some people who just want to be in the Times Union for a day, even if it's one day, because they can show their friends, look how important I am. Well, wow. So, Julian, we're just about out of time, and we, we're going to do other shows, you know, over the course of the next few months I or hope years. So, <laughs> so um, I, I've got to... Uh, inform everybody that on July 10th uh, there will be a fundraiser for WCAA at Cannon Battle Drive on the corner of Madison and Swan between the hours of 11 and 3. So if you anybody listening to this has bottles and cans that they want to donate for the station to keep us operating uh, and doing more stuff for the community, come down and see us January, um, July 10th from 11 to 3, Madison and Swan. Julian, thanks for coming on Focus on Albany, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. 
Thank you so much.